Hey, cheek face. Welcome to the Home Alone Minute. <laughs> Hi, puke breath. Is it puke's breath or puke breaths, if we're going plural? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's puke breaths. Well, welcome to, uh, what are we on? Minute five. Minute five of the Home Alone Minute. This is minute five. Where you and I talk way too long about each minute of the movie Home Alone. Where you and I talk almost long enough about each minute of the movie Home Alone. Um, at this point, we've published our first episode. How long did your wife make it through before not listening to it anymore? It was about 10 minutes into me talking about it. <laughs> Just talking about that the fact that it exists and she walked, she right. walked out of the room. Yeah. I kept going for about five minutes until I noticed. <laughs> you looked up. <laughs> yeah. The, the fog of excitement cleared and she was nowhere to be found. What about yours? Um, she made it a few minutes into the first episode and she has the the damning evidence of us sharing a Spotify account. So there it is sitting when I opened it up that, oh, what a supportive wife. She listened to it. Oh, no. 42 minutes left. <laughs> That's okay. She's, they support us in other ways. I mean, we have to give, I think we've already shouted them out about this, but we should probably give it to them again as they were part of the inception of the home alone minute definitely part of my wife maintains that it was her idea which i will agree with sure i think she was the one saying you guys should just do a home alone podcast and here we are on minute five so depending on your point of view you could even say it's her fault yeah and i'd make her remember that when i've got to crawl into my office at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday and chat it up. The people need us. Chat it up about the fifth minute of Home Alone, which starts like I have to imagine a lot of these minutes are going to right in the middle of some dialogue. Yeah, I think we get the tail end of Megan. I think the full phrase that we get in this minute is maybe one of the best lines. Yes. Congratulations. You're an idiot. It's a great line, and it's one that I don't quote nearly enough. I feel like I quote a lot of this film. You can vouch for that. But that one just doesn't come up as much as it should. It should be on some coffee mugs, for sure. Yeah, and I think Megan as a character doesn't even get the praise that she should for telling Kevin tough. There is so much sibling toxicity in this scene, and it's all concentrated to this upstairs region so these are these are all this the McAllister siblings all of kevin's siblings are sort of in the mix upstairs here right am i right. are we missing anybody everybody else is a cousin right yeah they're well because they're all in their respective rooms right getting all their stuff and packing which again it just makes sense that they're all upstairs like in their own little zones while the crazy relatives are downstairs having taken over their living rooms and dining rooms and TV watching nooks. But 
they're so vicious to each other. They've all got crazy names. They they they're they're so mean. They're mean and quick-witted. And I was just talking about this kind of style of dialogue the other day about what I've kind of started referring to as a surreal period where dialogue is very fast-paced, very quick-witted and not at all realistic, but the the heart of what they're saying is very realistic. I think the the point at which that peaked in the zeitgeist and then started going all downhill was Gilmore Girls. Yeah, this is a very Aaron Sorkin kind of scene. Kevin and Jeff are, are kind of walking and the camera's following them. They're going kind of fast and doing a lot of exposition and stuff. And then they move out and then Megan's there. Then Lenny shows up. This, it's you're right. It's it's very it's very quick and maybe not super realistic, but it sure does jam in a lot of McAllisters in one minute. This, there's a lot going on in this minute. There is. We get both perspectives because, like what you were saying before about Joe Pesci being kind of our eyes and ears here. In this minute, we're kind of going back and forth between his perspective and Kevin's perspective, so it hasn't fully shifted into kevin being the center of the movie i think i think this is the minute where it does happen though because it ends with him jumping up and down which i think is is a is a generational quote right because it's my is this not a scene that you're it's it's my daughter's favorite part of the movie two and a half years old and as soon as as soon as she sees kevin getting getting geared up getting riled up just just completely over his family she she hops off if we're, if we're watching it together, cuddled up on the couch or something. She'll jump off. She'll get down from the bed, and she'll stand in front of the TV and she'll jump up and down with them. And we were just talking earlier about how she's on a speech delay. She doesn't she doesn't talk much, but she kind of mumbles along with with Kevin saying, "I'm living alone. <laughs> I'm living alone." So yeah, this is this is a this is a special uh, this is a, a special minute. In the home. She has a t-shirt that says, they think competent. It's a packed minute. There's so, there's so much going on. Jeff gets his toothbrush. Would you say it's so good? I would say it's so good. One bit of dialogue that I do think is so good and fits with that surreal bit is him saying, when I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. It's so good. Which is... Great writing, but it's also like this perfect encapsulation of this unrealistic understanding of an eight-year-old. Yeah, the assumption that he has to get married when he grows up, but he will, when he does, he will be living alone. Right. Marriage is a mandate, but cohabitation is not. I love the way that he sort of leans down from this over the banister. Projecting. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just like to let everybody know. Forcing his energy... <laughs> downstairs <laughs> and then we get that uh that reaction shot of harry too just watching this kid lose it <laughs> upstairs well he's getting it all right because jeff's tossing his luggage down the rudest the he sees the police officer there right again so rich <laughs> They are so rich that this rude child 
yells bombs away, throws his luggage down the stairs toward a uniformed police officer and is not afraid for his life. <laughs> and what is, what is Jeff's plan for that duffel bag? Is someone coming around to grab them all? Was that the instructions? Put your luggage by the door. No one else's suitcases are by the door. It's just Jeff, who's decided to grab his toothbrush out of the bathroom real quick, throw it in his busted red duffel bag, and let me just throw it down the stairs. Is it laziness? Like, will he be making multiple trips? And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to toss these down because I'm not going up and down these stairs again. Because if I'm not playing Pirates with Fuller, it's just not the same. Take the witches. One thing I'm wondering if you noticed is how much plant life we see in this minute. So much. Plants aplenty. There is a tree in the hallway, and what I can only describe is a bush in the bathroom. Yeah, there's a little bathroom shrub or something. Bathroom shrub. Do you think they're real? No. Okay. Just thinking in terms of movie production, if I were if I were in charge. Sorry, I'm like in universe. Yes. In the in in universe in the Home Alone world, the HACU. I think they're rich enough to have real plants all over their house. Though Kevin, that's the flex, right? Yeah. Though Kevin does not water them while everyone else is gone. See, they sorted out the dog, but not the plants. Yeah, who's watering those plants? So maybe they are fake. Hmm. I'd also like to point out while we're on set dressing, again, myriad instances of wallpaper, both in the bathroom and in the hallway. Everything's red and green, red candles. There's some green artwork as Lenny's going through her French practice. Also, how well versed in French do you think she became for this trip? Or... Is she also happening? Like, is she studying it in school? I don't think she's studying it in school. I think she, I think she took a, a concentrated effort to learn French as soon as she learned she was going to France for this trip, which makes it all the more impressive that she got to the phrase les incompetents. That's kind of what I'm getting at is that's not 1101. Like, you're a few books in before you get to... Yeah, that's a few months into Duolingo, right? I will give... A hundred American dollars to whoever can tell me the first instance of Les Incompetents in Duolingo and how long it takes you to get mm. there. If you can tell me what level and what stage that is, that's a Benjamin Franklin for you. In the early 90s, this would have been like phrase books. Kevin was reading on the bed. So that's, that's what Lenny has. And you got to think that a kid who is trying to just pick up some French on her own for an upcoming vacation out of curiosity is going to go straight to the word stupid just to see yep. she probably also looked up but all the curse words yeah 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 just just out of curiosity sure you gotta figure out where's the bathroom and can you take me to the hotel and stuff like that but you're gonna jump to stupid it's such yeah. it's such a good delivery too she's so proud to know that phrase to pull it out of her vocabulary. It's it's very it's very adolescent. It's the second rodeo syndrome. Yes. Because she doesn't say, Oh, you know what you are, you know, stupid. She's presenting it as if she knows how the French 
sort of talk about <laughs> right, people yeah, like him. Yeah. You're what the French you, call. <laughs> she's almost saying like, we, the French, would call you <laughs> les incompetents. What is the beef between Lenny and Jeff? Because when Lenny first shows up, she it, hopes that he didn't pack a bunch of crap. <laughs> she addresses Jeff. <laughs> and it's such a it's such a bitchy, mean, unnecessary jive at what he's I hope he just did pack crap, Jeff. Also, who cares? <laughs> what if he did? This this family gets angry with each other for packing the wrong stuff. Not even allegedly packing the wrong stuff. Just I hope you didn't just pack crap. It's so mean. They're so used to it because he doesn't even acknowledge that. Like he shuts it down immediately. He's like, shut up. Were you and your little brother this toxic towards each other? Did you ever not did, at our worst? Did you ever engage in sort of like this cartoonish? Because like sitcoms teach us that siblings act like this, but it wasn't really my reality. No, not not even at our worst was this ever how we communicated. What's the what's the worst thing you did or said to your brother? I think it was probably telling him that I had another brother who was dead, like convincing him that there was a third brother, but that had died. And I actually don't remember much about the narrative, but I remember it was to was to frighten him in some way. But I don't know if I had convinced him that like our parents had killed him because he was bad or something. I, I don't, I don't know. But at some point along the way, you picked up on the idea that it would be fun or you would gain some power out of the idea that you could convince him that you guys had a a dead sibling. Well, it was, it was an improv exercise. (laughs) It's something that I still do today in very low stakes environments in that every time I'm on an airplane, you tell people that your brother died. (laughs) You're checking out at target. Yeah. My brother's dead. That's my fun fact. Anytime I start a new job, I was like, oh, tell us a fun fact about yourself. I'm like, well, my brother's dead. Two truths and a lie. Well, my brother's dead. Oh, that's a good one. My brother's dead. I own a Cinnabon franchise and I have a Home Alone podcast. Lordy, do I hate two truths and a lie. I don't know anybody that enjoys it. Why do we do these things that everybody hates? Because someone who is behaving like I was with my brother as a game convinced someone that it was a good idea because they just wanted to see what would happen. And then it's just self-perpetuating have you ever done any sort of icebreaker thing that didn't make you want to leave and not ever meet these people nope a hundred percent success rate in making me uncomfortable just the worst when i was like maybe five years old i hit my older sister in the face with like that long middle seat belt in the back seat yes you know they just has like the lap it's just like a really long i I really decked her with that Oof. right in the face. It's maybe the worst thing I've ever done. Does she still talk about it? I don't think she's ever brought it up. I live with it. It's clearly a core memory for you, but is it for her and she just doesn't acknowledge it to you? 
or do you think she's long forgotten about it? I'll ask her. I bet she remembers. It looked like it hurt. See, this is not the kind of years-long remorse you would see in the McAllister household. You would think that leaving Kevin alone would sort of reset everybody's emotions. And Megan displays a little bit of that while they're stuck in, in Paris. But then Buzz immediately shows that he doesn't feel bad about the way that they that he talked to Kevin, that the way that he treated him. So I just got to think that, well, Buzz is the dense one, but we don't see any other scenes of like uh, Jeff or Lenny being remorseful or having a change of heart. There's not this, there's not any indication that they're going to stop being so awful to each other. Maybe at the end, but we're minutes away from that. Which is, which is a worse name to be called, puke breath or cheek face? Would you rather be a puke breath or a cheek face? Cheek face sounds less harsh because it's more just say what you see. But that makes it feel almost more sinister. I think I'd rather be the puke breath because then my breath just smells bad like puke. But if I'm a cheek face, that means that there's doo-doo involved. Well, I, it, think dude, it, I think dude is worse than puke. That's that's what I'm going with. Because of the level of processing that's happened to it? Because most puke <laughs> has only been digested by like half? Uh, I guess so. Do you think that puke is worse than doo-doo? No. <laughs> it is just cheek face though. But is that does that mean that your whole face is one butt cheek? Or your face is two butt cheeks and your mouth is a butthole. I think you just own it and say that they're face cheeks. No. No, you lean into it. You say, yep. I do have cheeks on my face. Right. You just own it. Mm. Take the power away. Also, we can call each other cheek face, but you can't call me cheek face. That's our phrase. (laughs) I'd also like to point out that I believe attached to cheek face is the second instance of someone quoting someone else. There's this phenomenon of like someone else told you this in the last minute we had you told Kevin tough. Whereas in this, it's like, Buzz told you, cheek face, toilet paper and water. So it's like, why is everybody else telling everybody else what everybody else is saying? It's so circuitous. Well, and it's the staple of a hectic household where communication has broken down. No one's getting anything firsthand. So it makes perfect sense. Ooh, what are you drinking there, Jared? What beverage is that? Well... If you must know. I I gotta know. It is a Mexican Coca-Cola with a, I'd say, heavy-handed splash of grenadine. I know we just heard some French in the episode, but ooh la la. <laughs> so you think it's it's communication breaking down as opposed to reiteration and like exposition? Yeah, because it would be easier. For Jeff to say, toilet paper and water, cheek face. 
that's the more efficient economical way to do it. But one, the fact that Buzz tells him lets us know that Buzz is a jerk before we even meet him, the same way we learned that Uncle Frank is a jerk before we even meet him. And it also shows us that no one's talking to each other in a way that meeting is getting through. Also, props to Devin for his stage business. Because in the background, he's sitting at his desk. And what is Buzz doing at his desk? Like, he's not packing. He's not doing homework. Like, but he's there. We see him. And when he hears his name, he turns his neck backwards and, and looks at the people talking about him, which is a very natural, like, little detail. Buzz told you, Cheekface. What did I tell him? <laughs> you told him toilet paper and water. And then you told him tough. The other piece that we haven't really talked about is the whole Fuller thing. This establishes what everyone thinks of when they think of Fuller. Before this movie, had you ever heard the term hide a bed? No. And I don't even know which it's referring to. Like, is it a trundle bed or is it a Murphy bed? I don't think it's a Murphy bed. Those are the ones that go up into the wall, right? Right. I don't think that that's what we're looking at. Because do we ever see this hide a bed? Like, is it is it a trundle bed? Is it a sofa bed? I don't know trundle what a hide bed. Trundle beds are the ones that kind of like slide out from underneath like a day bed kind of thing. Right, right. right. Well, I mean, you and you can you could have it in a sofa as well. So I guess... It's a little of the, the like square rectangle thing where like you can have a trundle bed that's a sofa bed, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Some Google image searches suggest that a hide bed is just a sofa bed. So it's a pull-out couch. It's the pull-out couch. So is we never that... hear we never hear who's taking Kevin's bed, but it seems like Kevin shares a bunk bed with Jeff. Based on that room, it does seem that way. So who's sleeping in that room? Well, I think the plans change later. So we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because I think this is a conversation with Kevin and his mother later. But the third floor. Yeah. This minute they were in now establishes what everyone thinks of, including everyone in universe thinks of when they think of Fuller, which is he's a bedwetter. His only characteristic. He's a bedwetter with some great glasses. Yeah, he's got a he's got a he's got a great vibe to him. And a penchant for elite sodas. Depends on which movie you're watching. Well, there's a reason they call one of them fluids. But that's so many minutes into the future, it's another film. It seems like I see something new and exciting every time I watch Home Alone. And every time I sit down for one of these conversations, observations come to life. But I've also seen this movie a whole lot. Buzz turns around. Jeff gets a toothbrush. Bombs away. Do we think it's his toothbrush? I absolutely think it's Jeff's toothbrush. <laughs> he just seems like a guy who's just going to grab a toothbrush. He does do it sort of in a nonchalant fashion. Like he's so cool that he's just going to grab 
and a toothbrush. And he like puts it in his pocket. <laughs> he does. He doesn't put it in his duffel. Probably because he knows it can't survive the fall. Well, here's a question. Is he getting ready to kind of relocate himself because he's not sleeping in his room that night either? Is he sort of grabbing his toothbrush for sort of like maybe like a downstairs bathroom situation before he goes to sleep or something like that? Well, when you were talking about who gets the beds, that's kind of what I was thinking is this might be like a hierarchical thing where actual beds... Adults kind of get preference, and that forces kids into auxiliary beds. So those bunk beds might actually have older cousins, maybe. But then it just seems overcomplicated. But I don't think they're above well, Heather, that. Heather's been staying with them for a while, though, right? Yeah, so she might have. But Rod, who finishes this minute? That is true. We we do get a we get a new slug line right before this minute's over. We're in Buzz's room. And there's old Rod. We haven't checked in on the screenplay. Do you do you see a bunch of differences between... The biggest observation is that Rod is very true to the screenplay. But let's, let's touch in on it. And another thing that I noticed that a lot of the, the children's dialogue is exactly as it's written. So... Whereas the adults get to sort of maybe improvise a little bit. It, it does make a little more sense that uh, maybe the kids were kind of locked into exactly what their lines are. When Megan is introduced, apparently she's 15, aloof, regal, vain, and self-absorbed, which isn't really the vibe that I get from the Megan of our movie. No. But I get it because you have to sort of give them some sort of... Uh, attributes to at least sort of work as a starting point sure um then lenny comes in she's 12 which seems about right for lenny right she looks like she's about 12 years old i perceive her as older than that but okay and then the screenplay calls her perfectly beautiful which i don't want to knock lenny but i that's not the vibe i get from her she's not a cheek face by any means but well it depends on if you think perfectly beautiful in the overdone sort of way or like girl next door now in the script we do get an explanation as to why he has to sleep on the hide a bed with fuller because kevin says what happened to my room and lenny says heather tracy and sandra took it do we think that was shot and then edited out i do i can totally see it as, as a line that sort of needs to be you know just lost because you're trying to tighten up your movie and as much as it's great and something that we've been speculating on here I would say props to the editor because you definitely don't miss it. I'm not confused. Curious, but not confused. No, not at all. Yeah, and it's again, it's a it's a thing that you're you write when you're trying to solve all the logistics and it's a thing that you definitely cut when you realize that no one really cares except for two guys doing a minute by minute analysis of the film. So, I would like to nominate Devin and his stage business for unsung hero of this minute sure i would call lenny a sung hero i don't think she's going by underappreciated in this scene so i'm tempted to nominate her but i i think her i think her brilliance is is right there in front of us i think it's perfectly beautiful 
So Jared, one thing that's kind of new is that we sort of halfway have t-shirts now. I think in an earlier episode, you you jokingly alluded to going about merchandise in a more punk rock DIY manner full of credibility and ethos where you can make your own Home Alone Minute t-shirt. Yes. I like both approaches. So we both have the shirts available for those who are either not interested in making their own or far too busy to make their own. Have you ever noticed that when people have some sort of ability, like to, for example, to make a t-shirt and they try to explain to you how easy it is to make your own t-shirt, not really understanding what resources and time and interest you have in doing that. And they'll often throw in the adverb just Mm. in a way that I don't think they mean it to be condescending. You just download the file from their website, load it up into your cricket machine and print it up onto a shirt and you're done. Not realizing that someone who's never done it before or doesn't have a cricket machine. Maybe you're talking about quite a few extra dollars and a learning curve they just don't have time to deal with. You just download the image, print out a transparency, put it against a screen and cure it. Get some Plastisol ink. (laughs) You just get some Plastisol ink. Just get some. You just get some Plastisol ink. You just get a t-shirt blank to put on a platen, line up your screen, and you just squeegee that ink onto the shirt and throw it in a dryer. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. But we do have that available to people who want it. There's a PNG file on our website, which is... Homealones.com. Homealones.com, the name of our band. The band that only plays songs about the movie Home Alone. We're the Home Alones. And our website has a t-shirt graphic that you can download and use whatever screen printing technology you have in your home or local library or local maker space for rent to make whatever t-shirt you want. Heck, you can put it on a backpack, right, Jared? You can put it on whatever you like. Or you can just order a shirt. It's $15. Or you can just buy your own shirt. And some Chinese child will make it for you and mail it to your house. I, I think it's Indonesia. Some Indonesian child will make it and send it to your house. 100% cotton. Pre-shrunk. What colors do are we talking here? It is in Home Alone Blue. Home Alone Blue. The H-A-B. And Jared, we also have an email address. You want to remind the people what our email address is? Yes, I wrote it down here. Uh, let's see. It is the home alone minute at gmail.com. Again, All right. that's the home alone minute at gmail.com. Jared, are you meaning to tell me that we tried to get the Google account home alone minute and it was taken? So we had to add the word the. Honestly, I don't know. 
that's exactly what happened because I did it. Is it possible that one of us sleep registered that before? It's very possible that you did something like that. You're like Michael Stipe. You don't sleep, you dream. So good. Uh, I wanted to check the, the, the home alone minute at gmail.com mailbag to see if we have any email. And it looks like we have something from Square, Square Online, how to drive more online sales. <laughs> um, so, so I'll take a look at that a little bit later. Thank you, Square. Also, shout out to all my friends who just got laid off from there. <laughs> they just did a round. Oh, no. Uh, and then uh, the good people at iHeartRadio are asking us to see what radio stations they've picked for us. Do you want to guess some stations they've picked for us? Other minute-by-minute minute film analysis? You would think, but no. Just a Kiss Radio commercial-free rhythmic hits on power and hit nation america's number one hit music station and then uh an email from melissa uh saying thanks for coming to the birthday party because i replied back to her using the wrong email account after she invited my daughter to her daughter's third birthday party <laughs> and i'm just now noticing that she got an email from the home alone minute at gmail.com instead of my personal Google account. And I wonder if she's wondering <laughs> who Kevin McAllister is, what kind of <laughs> dummy she's dealing with here. He's like, I was emailing him and then Kevin responded. I already don't fit in at the birthday party. You know, I'm like a good 10, 15 years older than all the other parents. And my daughter's fast asleep in my arms while everyone else is eating birthday cake and running around. I don't know what to say to these people. Well, think about it and then say it here because let's hope that Melissa hears this and shares it as a funny anecdote when she goes on late night talk shows. Hmm. I, yeah, I really don't know. Like when you say think about it, I don't know how to make small talk with people. What do you like about Melissa's child? I don't know Melissa's child very well. Hmm. I only, she goes to the little uh, three-day-a-week preschool kind of thing. They're in the same class. And her kid is very cute, very adorable. But I only know her through like the pictures that you know the class shares on the Facebook page. Hmm. And it's, I thought about saying it, but is it not weird to say, your daughter's so cute? You could say she's perfectly beautiful. <laughs> Do you know, do you know Lenny McAllister from Home Alone? Because your kid, let me tell you, is precisely how John Hughes describes little 12-year-old Lenny McAllister. Oh, you don't know? It's perfectly beautiful. Your kid is what the French call. No, <laughs> oh, lordy. Lordy, lordy. Melissa's... Nowhere near 40. Mm. That's kind of the problem. Okay. She'll get there. Yeah. And when she does, I will be much older. Wait, is, is she of a generation that wouldn't have seen Home Alone nearly as many times as we have? It's a good question because it is an enduring classic. But I do, I've said it before, I'll reiterate here, we're in the pocket of people that really appreciate Home Alone. Right. The people who 
got the VHS and remember the Pepsi ad with the skateboard at the start of it. Yeah, you had this on VHS, right, as a kid? Oh, yeah. Me too. That's Minute 5. Buy a shirt.